Al Jazeera Podcasts. Today, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken wraps up his fifth Middle East trip since October 7th. It comes as Israel rains airstrikes down on Rafah in southern Gaza. We can say confidently that the Biden administration is trying to put out some of the fires. But are those fires of their own making? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My name is Ali Harb, and I cover U.S. foreign policy, elections, and Arab-American communities for Al Jazeera, mainly out of the Washington, D.C. office. So, Hali, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is about to head back home after several days of diplomacy in the Middle East. He started in Saudi Arabia, then Egypt, Qatar, and finally Israel and the West Bank. Yet another effort to bring calm to the Middle East, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in the hope of securing a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Now, this is his fifth trip to the region since October 7th. And all the while, the war in Gaza continues. Fears are growing of a new Israeli assault on the south of the Strip. Israel's military has suggested it now plans to advance towards Rafah, close to the Egyptian border. The UN says Rafah has become a pressure cooker of despair. A series of Israeli airstrikes have hit residential areas in Rafah, in southern Gaza, and a warehouse sheltering displaced Palestinians in Deir el-Balah, as Blinken was getting ready to meet Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Jerusalem. So keeping all of that in mind, how was Blinken's trip this time any different than the last? It's different in that this time the U.S. Secretary of State is visiting the region with a sort of rubric, a draft deal that could lead to a pause in the fighting that could perhaps lead to ending the war. So this time there is something concrete. There is an actual proposal that the Secretary of State, Washington's top diplomat, is trying to iron out with the various countries and the various players in the region. Mm. So on Tuesday, while Blinken was in Qatar, he and Qatari Prime Minister Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdurrahman Athani announced that Hamas had responded to a ceasefire proposal and a release of Israeli captives in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. Athani said this in a press conference with Blinken. The reply includes some comments, but in general, it is positive. However, given the sensitivity of the issue, we will not go into detail. And Blinken said, There's still a lot of work to be done, but we continue to believe that an agreement is possible and indeed essential. What do we know so far about this deal? So what has been leaked tells us that there would be an extended pause in the fighting, during which Hamas starts releasing captives held by Israel, Israel starts freeing Palestinian prisoners, and more humanitarian aid would enter Gaza to alleviate the humanitarian crisis there. And what we do know 
also from leaks about Hamas's response is that Hamas is demanding at least 1,500 Palestinian prisoners be released during these exchanges. The first stage would be 45 days where Hamas would release female captives and Israel would release women and children Israeli jails. Mm -hmm. The second stage would be where Hamas would release male captives and Israel would release the rest of the 1,500. And during those stages, there would be consorted efforts to reach a lasting resolution to this current war. And then in the final stage, they would exchange bodies that each side has. Also, what we do know that an anonymous Israeli official told CNN that Israel is a no way on the Hamas response. Hmm. Meaning this three-stage proposal that Hamas has put forward is already a no-go with Israel. And then U.S. President Joe Biden, speaking to journalists on Tuesday, called the proposal, quote, a little over the top. A little over the top. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that tells us a lot about whether or not we think this will go anywhere. Is this usual to hear out loud um, the U.S. president and Israeli officials say that effectively this deal is a no-go? Well, Malika, there's a lot of unusual things going on with the way this administration has been pursuing the war in Gaza. Mm. I would note and emphasize that when President Biden made his a little over-the-top comment, he referred to Hamas as the opposition, Mm. uh, perhaps because he forgot (gasps) the name of the Palestinian organization. There's been a response from the opposition but, um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas. But it seems to be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now. But also telling that the president of the United States is blatantly saying that we are aside in this conflict as the United States, and hence Hamas, the other side, is the opposition. Mm. So... No, it's not usual for people to come out so strongly and say this is a no-go publicly when the response has just been submitted, but it's fitting in that there's a lot about the way the Biden administration has been approaching this conflict is highly unusual to begin with. Okay, Ali, so we have the leaked public response. We know that on Wednesday, Blinken discussed Hamas's proposal with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu before holding talks with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah. We know Netanyahu has been under pressure from his far-right allies. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has just vowed to press ahead with Israel's military offensive in Gaza. He says the Israeli offensive will continue until absolute victory. Netanyahu held a press conference shortly after meeting with the visiting U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. And we also know that U.S. and Israeli media have talked about U.S. President Joe Biden being angry, frustrated, disappointed with Netanyahu. Now, if that's true, how do you think that actually presents itself in a meeting between Netanyahu and Biden's representative, Antony Blinken? So there's no doubt that Benjamin Netanyahu was under a lot of political pressure. But for the United States, I think we read too much 
into internal Israeli politics. The United States has leverage. The United States provides Israel with at least $3.8 billion a year. And there is another perhaps 14 to 17 billions in the pipeline to pay for this ongoing war. So if the Biden administration is angry at Netanyahu, it has not shown it in meaningful ways. And Netanyahu has been not just not heeding to American demands, but he has been openly defying them, right? So the Americans say, we want more aid into Gaza. More people are starving with each passing day. The Biden administration has been saying that its entire framework for the broader end of the conflict is the two-state solution. And whether it's truthful or not in a way it would pursue the establishment of Palestinian state, it's at least saying that for the time being. And Netanyahu comes out and says, nope, we're not going to do that. In any arrangement in the foreseeable future, with a settlement or without a settlement, Israel needs security control over all territory west of the Jordan River. This is a necessary condition and it clashes with the idea of Palestinian sovereignty. What can you do? And what has been the American response to all of this? More weapons to Israel? More aid to Israel? More assistance to Israel? So... I do not see this position of so-called ironclad support for Israel changing. With that leverage in mind, some critics of Anthony Blinken say his approach may be, quote, too nice. More on that after the break. Before we get back to our episode... I want to tell you about a project our team has been working on. This week on The Take, we're marking one year since a pair of devastating earthquakes hit Turkey and Syria with a new digital interactive. Listen and watch stories of survival, recovery, and coping with the grief at aljazeera.com forward slash earthquakes. Again, that's aljazeera.com forward slash earthquakes. Now, back to the show. So, Hadi, let's go back to Blinken's trip and let's take it to where it started, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. His meeting with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman lasted about two hours. What do we know about that meeting and what came out of it? So, a couple of things jumps out when you look at the public statement that have come out of that meeting. In the readout that the State Department put out after the meeting, it said that Blinken and the Saudi Crown Prince discussed ways to, quote, achieve an enduring end to the crisis in Gaza that provides lasting peace and security for Israelis and Palestinians alike. Mm. Now, this is new language. An enduring end. We're not just talking about a pause. We're not talking about managing the conflict. We're not talking about the usual wishy-washy statements about letting in aid and diminishing civilian casualties. We're talking about an enduring end. That's a lasting, long-term solution. And I think 
this reflects the notion that the Biden administration is increasingly reaching the end of the rope with its support for this war. One option the Biden administration has floated for ending the war is a deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel, normalizing relations. On Tuesday, U.S. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said they'd received, quote, positive feedback from Saudi Arabia on those talks. But Saudi Arabia's foreign ministry had a more nuanced response. Al Jazeera's White House correspondent, Kimberly Halkett, has been following it closely. The Saudis made clear in those meetings that took place in Riyadh that the only way that can occur is if there is the establishment of a Palestinian state, if there is sovereignty. But again, that's not something Netanyahu is interested in. And so this is the major challenge for Antony Blinken, America's top diplomat. He's dealing with difficult people who are not known for working cooperatively and who have a very different vision for a post-conflict Gaza. And this is his challenge. He is trying to sell the two-state solution to people that aren't willing to accept it. Ali says this is something that the Biden administration should have expected. Even during the peak of these reports about Saudi Israeli normalization, Saudi Arabia has been saying that, you know, the Palestinians cannot be discounted from here. But to reiterate that in almost direct opposition to what the American officials are saying is very telling. And it's telling about America's diminishing role in the region, frankly. So, Ali, I want to end on the man at the center of most of these talks, and that's Anthony Blinken. And recently, an opinion piece on the U.S. politics news site Politico said he's too nice to be Secretary of State. He appeared to respond to that while in Qatar. I'll let others uh, speak to uh, my character. Um, And uh, all I can say is that uh, most people who assume the position that I have the great privilege of assuming now, don't get there by being nice all the time. Now, that is just one interpretation of what he's been doing in this role. Protesters against the war say something different. Gaza's blood is on your hands! You are bloody Blinken! They've stood outside his home for days, calling him Bloody Blinken and throwing what appears to be fake blood at him and his motorcade. What do you make of the power of his role and how he's embodied it? He is the top diplomat for the country with the largest economy and the strongest military in the world. The world's superpower. But Anthony Blinken, when it comes to this war in Gaza, has only mirrored the Biden administration's unwavering support for Israel. And if you are coming at diplomacy, having already chosen a side, I can't imagine you can be very effective. And as for being quote unquote nice, this is a man who's supporting a war that has killed 27, 28,000 people. We're losing count because the death toll is increasing by the day. 
that infrastructure, civilian infrastructure in Gaza is obliterated. So I'm not sure I would mistake the solemn voice and the quiet demeanor for a nice. And the political magazine piece talked about Blinken being too nice to Israel, that maybe he needs to raise his voice at Israel. And maybe if he raises his voice, Israel will let in more aid. Uh, but to take it back full circle, Israel will not respond to anger, to ver verbal anger, no matter how animated it is expressed. Israel will respond, however, when the United States, Israel's top backer, tells the Israeli government, we're going to cut you off. We're not, not going to give you more money. We're not going to give you more ammo if you don't let aid into Gaza, if you don't stop bombing civilian infrastructure. And you can use that leverage in the nicest tone and the nicest voice, and it will make more difference than if you go and yell and scream at the Israelis, then sign off on thousands of tank shells bypassing Congress as Blinken has done. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Siriel Khalili and Miranda Lynn, with Nagin Oliayi, Chloe K. Lee, Khalid Sultan, Ashish Malhotra, David Enders, Amy Walters, Sonia Bagat, Zaina Badr, Berenice Campana, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.